Welcome to Connect Church. Um, it's definitely very different talking to a camera instead of talking to you guys, which I would much rather do. Um, but I am so thankful that we get to spend time together in each other's homes, um, that we get to still be a church and be together, and that nothing can stop us from worshiping our God and learning how we can serve Him better and, and remembering Him and everything that we do. If you are a guest, uh, thank you so much for taking time and, and braving the craziness. Um, I know that you're going to be blessed by the way that you're seeking God out. And I know that we're blessed because we get to know you better um, and, and have a relationship with you. So again, thank you so much for being here. Um, and I'm excited to worship God with you this morning, um, even if it's in a different place. Uh, we know that God is in control. Um, God makes promises to his people. He doesn't promise that everything's going to be easy. He doesn't promise that everything's going to go well in this life. In fact, he promises that we will have trouble in this life. And that's part of what comes with living in this broken world. But he also promises that nothing can harm us for eternity and that he, we have a lot longer to go with him than anything that we have to put up with in this life. And so we are so thankful to be able to put our trust in a God who has our eternity in his hands um, and who's got us covered no matter what kind of difficulty or illness or anything else comes our way. Um, and so we're going to worship him this morning and, and spend time with learning about him. We've been going through a series called A Wise Guy Wants to Know. We've been talking about Solomon, and Solomon was known as the wisest man who ever lived. In fact, he was the wisest man who ever lived because at one point while he was king of Israel, God came to him and said, Solomon, I will give you whatever you want, and, and you can ask for anything, and, and it will be yours. And Solomon had a lot, um, but what he wanted, what he asked for, which is kind of amazing, is he asked for wisdom. And what we find out is that Solomon wasn't just zapped with wisdom and all of a sudden he was the wisest man ever. Solomon learned wisdom by making a lot of mistakes and making a lot of bad decisions um, and, and God teaching him through those moments. And that's going to be especially relevant for our, our topic today. Um, but what we see, what's interesting from Solomon, who lived thousands of years ago and had a wealth that none of us can really relate to at all. Um, incredibly, he asked the exact same questions in life that we ask. He dealt with the same struggles. Maybe they looked a little different, um, but the nature of the struggles was the same. And so we can learn a lot about the questions that the wisest man on earth asked because they're the questions that we ask. And ultimately he came at it from an understanding that was from God and can teach us a lot. So we've asked some big questions. We've asked questions like what's the purpose of life and, and what happens after we die and this question is not maybe going to seem as, as epic or, or timeless as, as some of those, but it's still super important. Um, we're going to ask the question because Solomon asked the question, why should I work so hard? Um, God said that, um, you know, when, when Adam and Eve broke their agreement, their, their relationship with God in the Garden of Eden, that things weren't going to come easy anymore, that we would have to work hard. Um, and that makes sense because when a child is spoiled and misbehaving, you don't make life easier for them. You know, I've had friends um, who I watched at a restaurant one time. Their kid was just starting to melt down. And the solution to that was first to hand them a phone and then to hand them a lollipop that they kept in their in their bag. And then um, ultimately they ordered some ice cream before the dinner and, and it did not get better for that that situation. That situation uh devolved pretty quickly. And I think we've seen that, we know that, um, that you don't give a spoiled child an easier road, that when a child is, is going off the rails, then 
um, you make things a little harder and you challenge them and, and establish some boundaries. And that's exactly what God did and set up a world where we're going to have to work. We're going to have to work for some things. And so we have to ask the question, why should I work so hard? Why should I take up this, this challenge that God has given me? I realize also that this is a little bit of an ironic topic at a time when some of us are forced not to work or not allowed to go to work. Um, but one day this will be passed and we will be back to normal and we're still going to have to answer the question of what we do um, about work. What do we do about making a living and, and serving God? And I think this applies to our work in ministry and in, in the kingdom. Um, and it also definitely applies to our work in the world and whatever job God has put in front of us or is trying to put in front of us. And so Solomon asks in, in Ecclesiastes 1.3, he says, Do people really gain anything from all the hard work they do in this life? And remember that Solomon saw a lot. And um, sometimes that was really discouraging for him because uh, like all of us, he sees some of the things that go on in this world and they seem really fruitless um, and frustrating. He says in, in Ecclesiastes 2.22, what do we really gain from all of our hard work? Because it seems like sometimes when we work really hard and it comes to nothing. And so we have to ask ourselves, why should I work so hard when so much of it seems to go to waste? Um, and on, on either side of this, this question, there, there's a ditch. On this road to success with work, there's a ditch on either side that we tend to fall into. And the problem with ditches is that when you fall in, it's very difficult to get out. And that's true of these two things. We can either fall into, when we're looking at work, we can fall into workaholism on the one hand, or we can fall into laziness on the other. And either of those come with danger. Either of those come with, are difficult to get out of. They're difficult patterns to escape. Um, and they come with a cost. And so we're going to talk about some of those to start off. And then we're going to talk about some healthy ways that we can overcome each of those um, so we're going to start with the first one, the first extreme, the first ditch that we can fall into is the lazy worker. We can become the lazy worker. Um, and that's the, the first extreme that we can go into. Ecclesiastes 4, 5 says the fool won't work and almost starves, but feels it's better to be lazy and barely get by than to work hard. Now, I want to establish right from the start that God has always been very compassionate to those who can't work. And there's a difference between those who cannot work and those who choose not to work. Um, and God has something very different to say to those two groups. To those who can't work, um, we see Jesus being very gentle and coming to them and, and providing for their needs. Um, but for those who can work and choose not to and choose to be a drain on others, then God has a different word for that. Um, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, Paul writes, inspired by God, our orders backed up by the master Jesus are to refuse to have anything to do with those among you who are lazy and refuse to work the way we taught you. Don't permit them to freeload on the rest. Um, another way to say that is if a man doesn't work, then he shouldn't eat. And God is saying that um, we shouldn't be enabling those who choose not to work, who choose not to work hard in this life. Um, you know, some of us, and I say us intentionally here because I can relate to this. Some of us work harder to get out of work then we would have worked if we just done the job in the first place. I've gone to extreme lengths to avoid working on papers or, or doing my job that I've been called to do. Um, and I think a lot of us have been there where we've worked so hard to try to get out of work. And, and what I've discovered and what many have discovered is that um, when, you, when you're trying to get out of work, what you're really getting out of is the blessing that God had prepared for you in that moment. You're escaping the blessing that God had in store. And we've got to address that because we want to be blessed. We want to 
to experience the growth from things that God puts in our in our path, um, and and we don't want to run away from that. And so um, the other extreme is the workaholic. It says uh, in Ecclesiastes four eight, here's a man who's always working, who's never satisfied with the wealth he has. For whom is he working so hard and denying himself any pleasure? This is useless and a miserable way to live. Um, one of the warning signs of workaholism is a lack of satisfaction. Of always wanting what's next. That that you work and you work and you work. And Solomon says, "What are you even working for?" You know, there's never going to be an end to this. There's never going to be a point where you say, "Okay, now I've arrived. That yacht is big enough. That house is big enough. That um, you know, that car is fast enough." There's never going to be an end game to that, and it's a miserable way to live. Um, we're typically on these two sides much harder on the lazy side than we are on the workaholic side. Um, there was a, a survey that was done about sins that that we take seriously um, a few years back, and, and it found that workaholism is one of the uh, most respectable sins in the Christian life. And, and God says that neither of these is a way to live and, and get success in this life. And so we're going to tackle both. Um, so let's look first at God's remedy for laziness. Um, his, his road to success when we're struggling with laziness. These are six ways that we can get out of this pattern of laziness, that we can climb out of the ditch that we've been in and start doing some different things and, and finding different results. Because when we keep doing the same thing over and over again, when I've done the same thing over and over again and being lazy, I get the same results. And that's frustration and stress um, and, and all the things that we all know come with, with putting things off and not working hard. Um, so the first remedy for laziness is to work enthusiastically. To work enthusiastically. To pour ourselves into our work. That's the first solution that God comes up with. In Ecclesiastes 9.10, it says, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might. To pour yourself into it. Um, and that's a choice that goes against our natural tendency. It's We don't normally pour everything we have into a lot of the stuff we do. Um, you know, it's it's getting work done instead of compl- spending all your time complaining about a supervisor. You know, it's it's jumping on it instead of having to be talked into everything. It is exhausting having been in a, a supervisor role at work and being a supervisor role as a parent. Um, there's nothing more exhausting than having to convince the people that are supposed to be working um, that they need to work all the time. Um, and it's, there's nothing more refreshing than someone who enthusiastically jumps into the task at hand and helps out. And, and a lot of times the work gets done a lot quicker that way and everybody enjoys it more. Um, so the first thing we've got to do is we've got to work enthusiastically because that's going to bring a whole different attitude and, and change the way we look at um, what we're doing and, and why we're doing it. Um, this, this, the idea of coming at it with, with enthusiasm helps us out a lot. Um, the second thing that we need to do to escape laziness and, and find success in work is uh, we need to work with integrity. Now, integrity means to do things in a way that are respectable, um, that honor God. And Ecclesiastes 7.1 it says a good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. Um, now that doesn't mean a lot to me. I don't. I haven't invested a lot into costly perfume, um, but it was a major status symbol at the time that this was written in biblical times. Perfume was very expensive, and um, to to be perfumed, to have that access to that, um, was a sign of wealth. And so he's saying here, you know, in our terms, 
A good reputation is more important than having a big house. It's more important than having a fancy car or any of the other status symbols that we look at, that a reputation is more important, that working with and being known as a man or woman of integrity is more important than any of that and any of those things that we chase after. It's better to to maybe not get the promotion if it means being respectable. It's better to uh, to not cheat and get ahead. Um you know, and, and what we find is that, like we talked about with the, the question about why is life unfair, you know, sometimes in the short term, cheating does get you ahead. Sometimes in the short term, um, you know, taking shortcuts and, and doing things dishonestly will lead to gain. Um, but ultimately, it leads to ruin and ultimately it leads to a life that's unsatisfying and, and the goodwill out in that situation. Um, you know, it integrity shows up in stressful situations. You know, do you do the same job whether someone's looking at you or not, right? Do you work just as hard when your boss is around as when they're not um, or vice versa? And, and I think a lot of us need to maybe look at that and see, you know, when the boss is there, do we put our phone down all of a sudden and get to work or have we been working hard the whole time? Um, and that's something that that's going to pay off in the end if we are working all the time and have that that reputation for being a hard worker. Uh, do you own mistakes even when they cost you? You know, do you admit when you're late to work, do you just own it or do you try to sneak in and hope they don't notice you? You know, those are those are things that um, that are part of our integrity that can be found out later and really damage our reputation um, or can bring respect and, and reform from us. Because if I sneak in and no one catches me, then I haven't learned anything. But if I own it um, and and try to do better then I've learned from it and I'm going to deal with it. Um, so we need to work enthusiastically. Um, God calls us to work with integrity. The next thing that will help us escape our laziness is to work skillfully. Um, in Ecclesiastes 10.10, 10, it says, If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Um, work smarter, not harder, is the way we put it sometimes. There was a time where uh, me and some of the guys from church um, in Florida, we're, we're laying down sod in this huge yard. And I'd done this job before, um, but today was brutal. And it, it was a little hot, but it wasn't out of control. Um, but I was just, I mean, an hour into it, I wanted to just lay down and die. I'm covered in dirt. Everyone's covered in dirt. Um, and I'm just worn out. And I've got other guys running by me like nothing's wrong. And we were loading this sod into wheelbarrows and, and taking it up this hill and, and then laying it down. And I'm like, man, I am, I am punking out on this. Like I am not keeping up with the rest of the crew. And almost all the way through the day when I'm just done and, and exhausted, I look down and I realized that the tires on my wheelbarrow were flat or almost completely flat. And so I was doing twice the work everyone else was making it 10 times harder on myself. Um, and so finally we aired them up and my day was almost done and it almost didn't matter at that point. Um, but I think sometimes we do that to ourselves. Sometimes we deflate our own tires. Um, you know, we, we stop working skillfully. We don't, um, acquire the skills that we need to do well. Maybe we don't pay attention in a training. Maybe we don't seek out help from a supervisor, um, and, and really pour ourselves into it. Um, but sometimes we, we remove the opportunity to work more skillfully and, and make our life a little easier. Um, and so working skillfully will reduce some of the frustration that comes with laziness and will allow us to get some wins and, and want to work harder. Um, the fourth thing that we can do to escape laziness is to work efficiently. To work efficiently. And Ecclesiastes 8.6 says there's a right time and a right way to do everything. 
Um, at my old job, we had a setup. I work at a car dealership and we would get opportunities in and then we were supposed to reach out to customers. As a result of that, people would ask about vehicles or ask about selling a vehicle. Um, and, and we had to respond to that. And the system that we had before, we had six people responding to everything that came in. And then we had 30 people waiting to be set appointments and literally sitting around for hours doing nothing in the day until this small group of six people got through this huge bottleneck of, of opportunities and, and passed those on to everybody. And they realized this doesn't make any sense. It does, it's not efficient to have six people handling this giant flood of information and 30 people waiting around to do something about it. And so we changed everything and, and spread the work out and everything's been so much more effective since then. And we've been blessed um, by that decision to, to work harder, but it's, it was a scary change. And a lot of times we don't want to make changes because we're afraid and we're just trying to survive. Um, sometimes when, you know, I've successfully handed in every paper, um, then I don't worry about the fact that I had to pull an all-nighter every time because it's working technically, even though I'm miserable, even though I don't have any rest and I'm tired all the time. Um, you know, it, I'm afraid to make changes because this is technically working right now. Um, and God says, no, if you work efficiently, then life can be so much better and, and you don't need to to do things the same way over and over again if they're not really working for you. Um, to not do the urgent thing, but to do the important thing. Um, and, and so working efficiently, again, allows us to, to get some results from our work. And that's always helpful uh, when, when trying to learn how to work harder. Um, the fifth thing that we need to do is we need to work cooperatively. To work cooperatively. Uh, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, Two are better than one because together they can keep up more effectively. If one of them falls down, the other can help him up. Um, you know, this is the idea of multiplied impact that when you get a horse and a horse can say a horse can carry a load of 500 pounds and then you get two horses and you team them up together and you strap them to a wagon and you think, okay, two horses, 500 pounds each, they can carry a thousand pounds. But what you find is they can carry way more than that. You can carry 150 or 200 pounds. Sorry, that's bad math. Um, you know, they can carry, you know, 2,000 pounds, you know, like exponentially more than, than you would expect just from doubling the work, the, the number of workers. And for us, I've seen this in the church for sure. There are times when um, I would just straight give up if I didn't have my church family around. There's times when, when life has been too much, when the load that I had to carry was too much. And I think a lot of us have been in that situation where, Life was just too hard, and and maybe we wouldn't have kept going except we had brothers and sisters to come alongside us and and carry us. And and when you see them working, sometimes then it lets you know that you can keep going too. Um, and I know that there have been times in a lot of our lives where life was too much, and we didn't have that, or we didn't have that family, and and we suffered from it. And maybe we did give up for a time, or we did get um, exhausted. And I've got to tell you that there's nothing better than working cooperatively than working together and carrying that load together and sharing it, um, because then we're going to be able to get so much more done. Um, we won't give up as quickly. We can ask for advice when we get stuck and, and not feel like we're doing this all on our own. Um, because sometimes when we, when we feel like we're doing it alone, we get real lazy because it's just too much and, and we feel like it's more than we can bear. Um, and finally, we need to work persistently. Excuse me. One of the most important things in work is not giving up. 
In Ecclesiastes 11.6, it says, Keep on sowing your seed, for you never know which will grow. Perhaps it all will. Um, sometimes we get really discouraged because we don't see results right away. Um, and sometimes we may not see results, whether it's in ministry or in our, our day-to-day jobs for, for weeks and months. And that's really exhausting, and it can lead us to want to give up and stop working so hard. But God says to keep at it, to be persistent in our work, because you never know when that yield's going to come. You never know when the fruit will get there. And a lot of times we give up right at the point where God was ready to pour out the blessing and pour out um, the the fruit of our labor. And we did all the work and we got none of the reward. And so it's important to stay with it. You know, sometimes we look at successful people and we feel like they've got it easy or that they never fail. And that's the opposite is true. So often successful people are successful because because they failed, but not just because they failed, but because they kept on going. Um, you know, when you look at failure in, in sports, um, the best players in the NBA, the best basketball players in the world miss about half their shots. They only make about half their shots. Uh, Michael Jordan famously said one time, he said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. The best quarterbacks in the NFL only complete six out of 10 passes. If you're a professional baseball player and you can hit three out of 10 pitches and get on base, they will pay you millions. Think about that. Three out of 10. You know, the failure rate in baseball is incredible, and yet um, they keep on going. The best athletes keep on going and don't let that stop them um, and, and are rewarded for it. Um, TV actors, uh, on average, lose out on 29 auditions before they get a part. Um, think about how discouraging that would be if you weren't persistent. If you didn't stay with it, you'd never get there. If you had to go through 29 rejections just to get a yes. But once you get a yes, then that can open the door to so much. And that's true in so many parts of our life. Um, you know, if, if at first you don't succeed, welcome to humanity. Welcome to this life. That's how it goes. Uh, we don't succeed every time. We don't get the win every time. But if we stay with it, then God will bless that and he'll give us the opportunities. And the opportunities will come and the successes will come if we trust him and we keep on going and, and don't let it stop and get lazy. So uh, God has a lot of solutions for helping us escape that ditch of laziness, that place that we get into where we don't want to work hard, where we don't want to give our all. Um, and God says that if we will anyway, if we trust him and trust that he's going to provide the energy and that work it with it, work at it with all of our might, um, then, then good things are going to come from that. And he's going to get us out of that pattern that we've been in. The second thing um, that we've got to battle, the other extreme that's dangerous for us to fall into is workaholism. And so if you've ever been called lazy um, or, or slothful or whatever, this may not be super applicable to you, um, but we'll all tune in and, and, uh, and see where God takes us with it. Uh, but we're going to come up with a remedy for workaholism, and it's going to be five steps to getting out of workaholism. And it's going to be an acronym um, with the word RELAX, right? The word RELAX, R-E-L-A-X. Um, so we're going to go through that uh, this morning for how to work through workaholism and, and not be in that place anymore. The, the R in that um, is to readjust my values. And this is the most important step because where our mind is at is what dictates our actions. And we need to think about why we're doing what we're doing. In Ecclesiastes 4.4, it says, I've learned why people work so hard to succeed. It's because they envy the things that their neighbors have. That's why they work so hard. 
Um, so we've got to ask ourselves, what, what's our motive? Why am I working so hard? Why am I putting all this time in and, and feeling like I need to earn more and more and more? Is it because I'm jealous that someone else has a car and I don't? Is it because I'm, I'm jealous that they got the house before I did or, or um, because they have nicer things or get to go out to eat more often? Why am I working so hard? Is that what's motivating me or these, these other things? And Mark eight thirty six, Jesus says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? What, what can a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, there are things in this matter, in this life that matter very much. And if we're chasing after the things that don't matter as much, um, then there's no amount of worldly gain that we can come up with that's going to make up what we give up on the other end. Ecclesiastes 5.15 says, In spite of all of our hard work, there's nothing we can take with us. You know, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Because once you're gone, once you're dead, then you can't take any of that stuff with you, right? That's when, you know, all of that goes on to other people and all that you worked for um, in the end. I hope you enjoyed it in this life because you can't take it with you. And so we've got to ask, you know, am I working for the things that matter? Am I working for the things that I can take with me? You know, Jesus wasn't against hard work. Jesus was one of the hardest working people to ever walk on this earth. But he worked for things that mattered. He worked to glorify God. And he worked so that others would be saved. Those were his priorities. And those are things that matter. Those are things that you'll never look back on and regret doing. Those are things that matter for eternity, for him and for us. Um, and that's why Jesus worked hard. And that's why he called us. He said in John six twenty seven, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. You know, sometimes uh, we let our kids get something from the dollar store. And when they get something from the dollar store, they know, and then we always joke about it, it's going to break in a day or two because it's cheap. I mean, it's why it's a dollar. And they understand that. And so they understand that if they invest a dollar into that, that it's not the end of the world. And if they get a little bit of enjoyment out of it, then then that's fine. Um, but what we don't let them do is if they get a bunch of money on their birthday, we don't let them go and buy 30 things from the dollar store because that would be so wasteful. That wouldn't be worth the investment. And I think it's important for us to take stock and look at the things that we're investing in, that we're spending our time chasing after and ask, yeah, am I spending all my time to get 30 things from the dollar store that are going to fall apart in this life and not have any value after a short amount of time? And, you know, at the end of every you know six months or so, we'll go through all the kids' toy bins. And guess what happens to those accumulated toys that we got from the dollar store? Well, all of those get trashed. We just throw them away like, like they never had them and nobody sheds a tear over it. And I, what I don't want is at the end of my life to look at all the things I chased after, to look at all the things I worked for and, and just be ready to scrap it and throw it away because it didn't matter in the end. What I want is to look back and see why I worked and what I worked for and know that I was accomplishing God's purposes, that that God was working through me and that all the things that I have, I treasure and I'm going to continue to treasure in heaven. Um, that, that I've worked for relationships, that I've worked for um, setting other people free and glorifying God rather than glorifying myself and getting stuff that I want. And so we've got to ask ourselves, why am I working and readjust my values, readjust my values in accordance with what God would have us to do? The next thing, the E in relax, is that we need to enjoy our blessings. Enjoy your blessings. Uh, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.13, all of us should eat and drink and enjoy what we've worked for. It is God's gift. And what's incredible is that sometimes the one thing that we don't have 
stops us from enjoying all the things that we do have. Isn't that our nature? Don't we, don't we tend to notice the one thing that we don't have and be all upset about that? And when God has given us so much, you know, the car breaks down and it's the end of the world and God has forsaken us. You know, when, when we've still got a, a place to lay down at night and we've got a family full of people ready to support us, but, but that one thing that we don't have stops us from enjoying all the other things that God has blessed us with. And it, it's, it's really ungrateful. And I say that knowing that I fall into it as well. Um, in Ecclesiastes 4, 6, it says, it's better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy with both hands. Um, and when we're thinking about work and look, you can always make more. Um, by getting another job, by um, working the overtime. And, and it's not always, sometimes those things are necessary, um, but not always. And sometimes we work harder and work more because we're trying to acquire things that don't matter. And God says it would be better to enjoy what we have, sit back and be content with what we have instead of chasing after more and more and more and sacrificing relationships with each other and relationships with the people around us. Um, for something that, again, isn't going to matter in the end. The L and relax is for limit our labor, limit my labor. Um, Ecclesiastes 10, 15 says, only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. As in the only reason you would stay all day at work is if you were too dumb to find your way home. And that's a harsh verse. Um, but really, when you look at the why behind it, and you look at what's important, that relationship is so much more important. What you get to come home to, what you get to spend time with people doing is so much more important than a paycheck. And it really is. It doesn't make any sense to to work until we're exhausted and work until we're done and don't have anything left to give. Work will never say no for you. There's, there's not a lot of jobs out there that are going to say, look, you put in a solid shift, go home, you're done. Uh, most jobs are going to work you as much as you're willing to work. And so it's your job. It's your job to control that because work will control you until you decide to control your work. And there's times where we say, well, look, what can I do? I can't come on Sunday morning because my, my work won't let me. Well, of course, your work won't let you if you open up that availability. If on the application you wrote, I'm available on Sunday mornings, then what are you? why are we surprised when they work us on Sunday mornings? And there's a cost to the alternative to that. There's when we say I'm not available on Sundays. Um, then sometimes we might we run the risk of losing out on a job. But what we're doing in those situations is we're controlling our work. We're limiting our labor and we're saying, no, the, I'm going to put terms on this that are acceptable to God. Um, God says that um, you have six days to do your work, but the seventh day is to be a day of rest dedicated to me. Now, he doesn't say you have a day. The seventh day is for Netflix and video games, right? He doesn't say the next day, the seventh day is to sleep all day. He says, you have a seventh day to rest, but to rest and, and be devoted to me. And so we need to make sure that when we have our, our rest time, then when we work hard through the week, and then we get a time to take a break from that, that we're doing things that matter and doing things that fulfill, um, doing things that are, are going to lift us up spiritually and not just be something that distracts us from the the tedium of our, our work week um, and, and do things that matter to God. Um, he says in Psalms 127:2, it is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night for God wants his loved ones to get his proper rest. They, they God acknowledges that we can't work all the time. Um, they did an experiment in the French Revolution. Um, a lot of it was getting away from uh, 
spiritual things, getting away from religious things and trying to get really practical. And so they said, well, well, Sundays are a church thing, so we're going to get rid of that. And they took away the day of rest and, and tried to work people seven days a week. And the, the health of the country plummeted and everyone suffered and it was a train wreck and they had to go right back to it because imagine that God actually knows what we're meant for and knows what we need. And so when he designed us for rest, then it's not wise to ignore that and work all the time to where we're just burning the candle at both ends and, and run dry. God knows we need our rest and we need to limit our labor. The A in relax is to anticipate God's care. To anticipate God's care. In Matthew 6, 31 through 33, it says, Don't consume yourselves with questions like what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? Outsiders make themselves frantic over such questions, but they don't realize that your heavenly father knows exactly what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That we don't need to worry about what we're going to eat or drink. That obviously we need to work. That's part of the whole point of this sermon that we, we work for what we have. But at the same time, that God ultimately is going to provide the opportunities. He's going to make a way. And that he's promised us that he's going to do that. Uh, most workaholism comes from either two sources. It either comes from envy or from worry. Either we're trying to keep up with what other people have or we're afraid that we're not going to have enough. And that leads us to work insane hours and, and waste all of our energy chasing after things that God's got in control. That he's got under his, his God has all the things. God has, has all the resources to give us what we need. And in this church, we come from all kinds of backgrounds. Some of us come from having almost nothing. And we worry and we work hard, excessively hard because we're afraid that we're not going to have enough. Some of us came from wealth and, and having a lot in hand, and yet we were still miserable. And we're having to learn that God's going to provide all those other things that matter, not just money. Um, but if we trust him and, and ease off and allow him to, to step in, um, then he's going to provide those other things that money can't buy. Um, but ultimately, the only cure for either of those things, for envy or for worry, is a relationship with Jesus. That, that if we follow his lead, that's what's going to take care of either of those situations. Um, and speaking to that, Finally, the X in, in relax is for um, us to exchange my pressure for God's peace. To exchange my pressure for God's peace that he's offering me. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and, uh, and verse 30, it says, Come to me, you who are tired from carrying your heavy loads, and I will give you rest. The yoke I'll give you is easy, and the load I'll put on you is light. That's the promise that God makes, that, that it is going to be something where, where we're taking something on us. You know, a yoke is where you're, you know, two oxen are strapped together and there's an oxen on this side and there's me and we're tied together. And if the other ox is very strong and Jesus is the strongest, right? If we're yoked to him, there's nothing more exhausting than trying to follow Jesus while pulling away and trying to do our own thing. That, that'll wear us out. Um, when we say we're committed to Jesus and try to live for him um, and yet keep something for ourselves and, and work the way we want to work. And um, whether that's on the lazy side or working on the workaholic side, um, it's exhausting and it wears us out and it, it leads to frustration. But there's nothing more encouraging, <clears throat> excuse me, and nothing more empowering than having that lead oxen that 
is strong and taking you in the right direction because then your burden really does become light because you know that you're being led in the right direction. And it takes all the worry out of life and it takes all the the need to worry about what other people have and, and what you have. And it lets us just trust <clears throat> that Jesus is going to take us where we need to go. And so we need to ask ourselves a few questions. We need to ask ourselves, am I working for things that really matter? Am I honoring God with my work? Am I giving my all, um, both in, in our life, in, in our work for the kingdom, and in our worldly jobs? Am I giving my all? Um, and at the same time, am I making room for him? Am I not allowing work to be my God, but but trusting that God is going to provide and that I don't need to wear myself out I'm trying to make myself have more? And so the only way to get it right and the only way to find victory in this is to submit to Jesus and to walk the way he's calling us to walk. Um, again, you know, I'm glad that all of us are able to be together. And even though we're in separate homes and in different places, um, I'm glad that we get to come and, and put God in the center of what we're doing. Um, because ultimately, that's where the victory is going to come from. And if you have questions about, you know, how do I escape this ditch that I've fallen into? I'm, you know, I'm, I can't get myself to work hard. I can't get myself to chase after a job when I know I need to work. I um, remember maybe you're on the other side of it, and you say I'm, I'm exhausting myself um, for things that really don't matter. And now I've gotten myself in the situation where I don't know how to get out. Uh, we would love to help either way. We don't have all the answers. But we have a relationship with the God who does. And so I'd invite you to talk to your host, talk to the people around you and ask the question, how do I get out of the ditch? How do I get to a place, a road that's secure um, and, and fruitful and exciting? Um, and God will provide that. He says, knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. And so let's seek together as we worship him and put him in the center of our lives. Let's pray. Um, Father in heaven, um, I thank you so much that uh, we get to be your children, that you show us how to work, that you show us how to live a life that's fruitful and meaningful um, and not all about ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray that we would submit to you, that we would take um, your yoke upon us and follow your lead and not kick against that or or try to accomplish our own goals, Father, but to chase you first. Um, Lord, may you be at the center of everything we do, not just today, but going forward. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>